Quickly, this is Independence Week. Thanks for joining us. There are lots of things you know about our independence. We know of the Big Six. We know of the 1948 riots that triggered the disturbances. We've also heard of the Aborigines' Rights Protection Society, which was like the first indigenous resistance to colonial rule. Is that, a, is that the full story of our independence, or are there parts of what we are taught in school that we need to update a bit in terms of the flow from Aborigines to 48 to independence? Okay, so the first um, issue of protest against the British colonial rule was about um, the Britain and then the Dutch attempt to exchange their properties, especially the fort, around 1865, what is called the Sweet uh, River Convention, which is the Kakum Convention of 1865, where the Dutch were to sell their properties to the British. Uh, a kind of an agreement which was a uh, major and acquisition sort of thing that was handled by a Gold Coast, the first Gold Coast lawyer, George Emil Emerson, whose grandchild is uh, Fritz Bafo, we know, with great grandchild. Uh, so he's uh, Fritz Bafo's great grandfather. He, George Emil Emerson. George Emil Emerson. First Gold Coast lawyer. He was a first Gold Coast lawyer that was educated in the Hollands. So, because he schooled in Holland, normally when the debate on who is the first Gold Coaster to be a lawyer is discussed, people often use uh, John Mensah Saba. But in apparent fact, if you read uh, John Mensah Saba's own book on uh, fancy uh, customary law, you see that in the preamble, it says that I couldn't have written this book without the support of George Emil Emerson who started practicing in the Gold Coast Bar when we were children. So he himself acknowledged the legal powers of um, George Emil Emisa, who handled the, where the, was the Gold Emisa Coast transaction. Emisa was from Elmina. Was from Elmina. So he schooled there and even participated in the Dutch uh, Legislative Council, where he was a member and representing um, um, Elmina. Even when the castle and the properties were exchanged, he was made the commandant of the Elmina, of the Elmina castle. So what role did he play in this sweet river? So what it was, it was that he was the then the only um, professionally trained uh, lawyer with um, interest in acquisitions and measure. So he actually crafted or drafted the whole agreement for the both British and then the Dutch. So that is the significance of George Emil Emerson's rule in that sweet river convention or agreement. So that was the first one. Then in around 1863, British had a select committee on their West African properties. And their intention was to, you know, see whether the colonialism project in the Gold Coast and West Africa in general has become a something of uh, an albatross on their neck because they were not making profit. So a select committee was founded in 1865 to, you know, um, discuss the issue. So the Gold Coasters, especially the chief of Cape Coast, uh, Chief Agri, Nana Ejid Agri, sent one DL car and then Martins to go and observe the proceedings mm -hmm. as representatives. In there, the British agreed that indeed colonialism is becoming unprofitable and as a result, they might likely go and then they leave the people to decide on their own. So after the observation of these um, procedures, 
the two gentlemen returned to Gold Coast and then they start to talk about issue of self-government for the Gold Coasters. So the front intellectual elites actually apparently bought the idea and then they decided to question the legitimacy of the British colonial rule, especially with regards to the British jurisdiction over the native court and decisions on their land. The uh, Bond of 1844, which gave them the jurisdictional authority for, for them to rule on their land. So when the chief Agre received this issue, he decided to say that he would not even allow certain cases to go to the castle again because the British themselves have made decision to go. For this move, the chief was exiled to Lagos for daring. Now, Nana Koblejan, who was also the chief of um, Elmina, who was also against the exchange of the forts between the British and the, and the Dutch, also after, when he opposed it, he was also exiled also to Sierra Leone. So he remained with the other chiefs. Then the chief of Anmabo, Amonu, also decided that as for his court, they would not allow any case to go to the British again. This angered the British governor at Cape Coast, Governor Coron. So he marched with the soldiers to Anmabo to come and arrest uh, Nana Amonu. When he reached there, the ringleader of the sub-chiefs, Nana Apia, decided to stand and tell the governor that he has no authority. So this led to a face cough between the Anamabu Asafu group and then the British. In the end, the governor wrote in his own report that even as he was speaking, the decrepit old man, the leader appear, stood on his ground and he was never bad or faced. So he left him and went back to Cape Coast. And he wants to report to the colonial administration that those people have become insolent because of the select committee issue. So there is need to be a clarity on what the select committee is doing. Based on the same fact, this led to the formation of the first protest movement, which is the Infantic Confederation. Infantic Confederation, which was to be which was created with a, an elaborate constitution that would rule in line with the British parliamentary system, where chiefs would become presidents as well as members of the House of Lords and then um, the House of Commons. So they had all this thing in mind. And this was, this was designed by a man called Joseph Dawson, whose own father was a former governor in the Gold Coast. Okay. The Fanti Confederation. The Confederation of 1868. Do you remember some of the Fanti states which were part of Fanti, I don't want to call them towns or group because there were different chiefs. Representing yes. different... Fanti Confederation was elaborate. So almost all the Fanti states, they were part of it. From Elmina was there, Cape Coast, even the infanticide state who used to be Guan, they were all part of it. Winneba was part of it. In fact, the entire central, there are three chiefs who had also later signed their uh, put, including Dentra chiefs. They were all participating in it, including later, including the Agunas and all of them. They were part, so it was a genuine uh, and uh, also a very big uh, organization. Except that um, states outside the central province did not have the opportunity, like Accra, the Kowu areas, the Achim areas were not part of it. This was strictly people within the coast because at that time, mind you, at that time, 
Achoma has not become part of the Gold Coast in around 1863. They were yet to sign treaties with them. At that time, um, Kowu also has not become, became part of Gold Coast around 1888. So you see the process towards the colonization. It was not straightforward. It started from the frontierland with the eight chiefs that signed the bond of 1844. Before all these things we are talking about frontier confederation, Gold Coast has not even become a colony, British colony, in 1868. For the British colony was birthed in 1874. So this was 1863, 1865, Gold Coast Select Committee, and the ramifications of that uh, agreement or the conference, which culminated in the formation of the Fanti Confederation. So even at the time of the Confederation, there were indigents who had studied, as you mentioned, law, and some had even gone out to be educated, even though there were not that many in the Western way. So there were non-chiefs involved in these conversations. Yes, yes the were not elites were there. At, at that time, there were people who have been engaged in business as far back as 1700s, okay, who were sending their children to Europe to study. By 1717, thereabout, the chief of Almabu, for example, in order to secure his own power, has granted somewhere opportunity for land to be secured by the French people. In lieu of that, he, he made sure his son was sent to France to study banking so that he come and assist him in his business. His other son, Ancestor Sreku, was also sent to America to go and study, but unfortunately, the ship captain sold him and he ended up in Barbados. So he stopped the British activities on the Gold Coast that until his son is returned, they will not transact business. So the British had to go and find Ancestor Sreku and send him to Britain to educate him and return him back to his father. So it shows you the African agency, the power and the role. So it is for no reason, for example, that Randy Spark will write in his book about when Negroes are masters in transatlantic slave trade with regards to Anomabu, where the people have power that white man has no say with regards to how they transact their business. So I'm telling you to, you know, um, solidify the view that the Africans had their own agency and they had their own power and then they were already schooling in that order. So even before George Emil Emisa, people were already schooling. In Accra, Britain have gone to school way back in the 1700. Professor Anton Amor of Axim has gone to school way back. The frantic guy who went first, um, Capitan, had already gone. So from 16 to 1700, people were already educated. They were speaking Portuguese, they were speaking Dutch, they were speaking Swede, they were speaking Danish, all of them. So the Gold Coasters were multilingual. Tell me about the, the Aborigines' rights protection. So, so on the front of Confederation, before we veered off, these people decided to form the organization so because they believed the British were to leave after the 1865 Select Committee on West Africa and Gold Coast. So the, uh, during that time, there was emergence of gold and what have you. In other areas, we saw fancy businessmen like F.C. Grant, Francis Chapman, Ferguson Grant, uh, Miles Abedu and the rest, all moving in. ACN, uh, Swansea and Co. they all started prospecting for gold around that time. So the British decided that, no, it looks like it's going to be good. So they refused not to go. But that time, the Fantis too were cocksure that the British were going. So they founded the Fantis Confederation. 
with a view of even creating roads, schools. They had an elaborate constitution, which in today in many um, indigenous studies or in African agency, it is seen as the first of an indigenous people's attempt to create a constitution devoid of uh, European influence. So that was done. And then the British realized that they are going to have confrontation with the Francis once their mind has been set up in that order. So they started arresting the leaders of the Fanti Confederation. And this led to divide because these were merchant princes, prince, prince who were into business. They have made huge sums of money. And they don't want their businesses, you know, destroyed. So they easily gave in when the British decided to arrest some of them. And that led to the, uh, the, uh, uh, the failure of the Fanti uh, Confederation. Some people see the formation of the Gold Coast Aborigines Rights Protection Society in 1897 as a critical junction in the fight towards self-determination. Yeah. Why is that, that the case? Can you talk to us a bit about who the key personalities were okay. and why that particular group is considered an important junction in that process? Yeah. So when the Fanti Confederation uh, died, then the Fantis created, so it led to cultural nationalism, attempt for people to believe in their African way of life. They have attempted to write, they have, in fact, they have written a constitution, uh, an organized government structure, and so on. So they realized that they are capable of managing their own affair. So that period after 1874, was a period of consciousness, cultural consciousness, with certain intellectual elites who were spear, uh, who spearheaded these um, ideas, like J.B. Anaman, S.R.B. Atahuma, and um, J.E. Kisilihiford, John Mesasaba, Saba, and others. So they founded an organization called Infante Amembu Feku, which is Infante National Association. Or Association. So this association was to think of how they will use their indigenous knowledge systems and use it to couch a very good stuff about themselves and how to rule. So they, they believe that you need not to even be educated in England to become who you are. So someone like Anaman uh, did not travel, but he was one of the powerful intellectuals who was even editing the Gold Coast Leader, the newspaper at the time. So. The Fanti Amemu Foku was then in existence when suddenly in 1895, the Gold Coast introduced uh, the uh, Gold Coast Land Orc, the Crown Land Bill of 1895. This land bill seeks to make every available land, the so-called wasteland, any land that is not occupied by human beings, was then to become the property of the Queen of England. That was the rule, so they call it wasteland. That apart from where there is an occupancy, with regards to farming, with regards to residence and settlement, and so on. Any other land, the forest land that is, has not been inhabited and so on, then belongs to the queen or the king of England. 